Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Mike Kitko to the show. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, Edward Jones, Synchrony HR, NWO IT Services, Enterprise Bank and Trust, Go Brand Go, and the Tom James Company. And now to this week's episode with Mike Kitko. Mike Kitko, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. Appreciate you coming on today. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me, man. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to kind of dive in on your career and your path and what you're doing now. And usually when I have my guest on, I always kind of start in the beginning and then walk uh, walk my guests through kind of like their career. So let's kind of start in the beginning. Talk to us about growing up. I know you have a unique path to, to coaching and executive coaching, which you do now. So talk to us about that path and what led to you starting to coach. Yeah, well, thanks, Brian. Um, so it, I think the the theme throughout my life, and, and especially the first forty three years, is everyone uh, that I every everyone who was supposed to be an authority figure in my life to help me be the best person possible showed up to tell me that I couldn't be myself. So you know, from my parents, from uh, pastors, from teachers, it was all about you can't do that, you can't be that, you got to be somebody different. So over over the course of years, I I kept shrinking myself, little you know, and and like. I went from this really vibrant kid who could energize a room to somebody who like felt like they were just a reject and, and an imposter. Um, and, and then I, it was a matter of just trying to prove myself over and over uh, throughout throughout my life, you know, joining the Marine Corps, um, ascending the ranks of corporate America, trying to, to make a lot of money, trying to have a lot of success, trying to show this, this external uh, appearance that I had it all together where inside I was so disconnected and I was so, so dis, diseased, right. That, uh, that, it, I mean, there was no joy in life whatsoever for me. And the, uh, the path, you know, when I was 43 years old, I was, uh, I got like kind of unceremoniously booted out of corporate America from a lot of, uh, executive position. I had a lot of success in executive ranks and I got unceremoniously, uh, uh, you know, ejected. I was a 300 pound suicidal, uh, up to my eyeballs and toxic uh, abuse of alcohol. Um, my my home, my 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 wife, my uh, relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids was so toxic and so physically, mentally, emotionally abusive. Like, it, I, I mean, I got the I got the the option to either pull the trigger or not, and and literally, I it came down to that. 
um, to that decision. And when I didn't pull the trigger, I figured out that I had nothing figured out and I got to start and hit the reset on everything. And, uh, that's, that's when I realized that I had tried to live life for everyone else and tried to live life on everyone else's terms, trying to, trying to be who I thought I needed to be in the world in order to, uh, in order to, to make people like me and enjoy me and appreciate me. And really all I had to do is fall in love with myself. And, and once I, I started that process, then people started to, like appreciating me and accepting me and loving me and, and admiring me even more. And that's what I was looking for my entire life through all the, the wealth and the titles and, and all the success. And so it, it, it's a very inside out game, right? So life is an inside out game. When we clear out the clutter inside, life reshapes and reformulates its way around us, uh, outside of us, so that we really, really get to feel everything that we wanted to experience to begin with. Wow. So let's let's take a little step back there. So you um, so you had a decision to make, right? And you, as you mentioned, you were suicidal. You were an alcoholic, had an abusive relationship. Talk to me about how you made that decision and and what what took place for you to say, okay, I got to make a difference. I got to, I got to fix something. I got to change something. What, 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 what was that inflection point? I guess you could say for you that allowed you to make that decision and how did you make it? Yeah, brother, when you put a barrel of a gun in your mouth, there's there, you come to the quick decision, the quick understanding that you have nothing figured out because if, if everything that you believe every choice you've ever made, every decision, every perspective that you own, right every affiliation, it, it, it got you there. Yeah. It got you to that point. And when you stick a barrel of a gun in your mouth and in everything that you've accumulated, every thought, every, every desire, every, everything that you've ever done in your entire life has gotten you to that point. You realize that you've got nothing figured out. And it's like walking the, the metaphor, the, the visual that I, that I draw. It's, it's like, imagine having a big whiteboard on the biggest wall in your, in your, your house. And you walk up at that point to the whiteboard where you had life all figured out and you just start erasing. And, and now you're dealing with a blank slate and it's yeah. like, okay, I, I get to rebuild everything from the inside out. My belief system, my perspectives, my choices, right? So, um, understanding that I grew up in a very, um, in a neighborhood, in an area that was very religious in nature. And it wasn't just a religion that, that helped you. It was a religion that told you and taught you that you were broken, that you were a shameful being and that you were like, just the fact that you were breathing meant that you were sinful and broken. And it's hard to grow up under those circumstances with that weight, with that pressure and feel like you, you matter and that you're significant in the world. And, sure. and again, it's, it's unpacking all of that, uh, all of those accumulated beliefs and what I thought, you know, I thought marriage had to be hard. So I made it hard. I thought making money had to be hard. So I, I made it hard. I had, I thought that in order to, in order to succeed, you had to crush yourself and you had to, you had to have your soul sucked out. So I made that, I made that happen. I, I made that possible. Right. Yeah. Um, and then when I, when I, again, when I went in and reshaped all these beliefs and understood that, um, my beliefs had gotten me there. I got to unravel and unwire those and unwind them and start to, to build healthier ones. So I don't believe anymore that making money is hard. And I see that that's true. I, I don't believe that marriage is hard. And, and now I've made that true. And I don't believe that success is hard. And I've made that true. I don't believe that, you know, I am shameful just because I am breathing or I'm sinful because I'm breathing. So I, I, get, to, I get to live that every single day. 
And, Absolutely. That's and, awesome. that's how, and, and that's how I show up and teach and lead and guide is I won't allow anyone to believe they can, they can believe what they want, but I will invite them to believe something that serves them instead of something that doesn't. Sure. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about rebuilding um, and, and getting to that point. Talk to us about what you're doing now and, uh, and your executive coaching. Yeah. So uh, the tagline is I, I turn millionaires into happy millionaires. And, and what, what, uh, and this is kind of like a reflection of, of what's happened in my life is you, you, you get to a point uh, in your career where you've made, you've amassed a fortune where you've, you know, you've got all the money that you need, you've got successful titles, but inside you still feel like alone. You still feel like, um, like you're unsuccessful or, or maybe, maybe you feel like, well, is that, is that all there is? And you, you're missing that, that joy, that, that level of joy. And, and uh, you know, there's a difference between joy and and happiness. Happiness is something that happens to you. Like you buy a new car and you'll experience some happiness, right? You, you land a new client, you'll experience some happiness, but joy is a baseline state where you're just in love with life. And when you get, when you amass like wealth and success, but you don't feel that joy, that is what you thought the wealth and success was going to bring you is that joy. And when it doesn't, because nothing can except like letting go of, uh, of painful beliefs and letting go of, of trauma from the past, when, when you get to the point where you thought it would bring you joy and it doesn't, then you get to, again, before you stick a barrel of a gun in your mouth, we get to unravel that and we get to, to find the joy that's inside and you get to enjoy at a deeper level, your wealth and success. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm sure there's people listening to this episode who have been in those types of positions where, you know, I, I, I mean, previously in my life, um, I I've had times in my life where, you know, I get a sale or I'd buy a new car or always looking for that next, um, level of satisfaction. Right. And, and finally I found my wife a couple of years ago and, um, have a beautiful family. And now I would say I I'm at a spot where more life is, I couldn't have, I couldn't ask for anything better. Right. I, I always tell people that if my glass was any full right now, I'd probably spill it. Um, so I, I found that spot, but I, I know what you're talking about. I was there. I was there. I mean, I was never to the point where you were at. Um, but you know, there was times in my life where I was always searching for that next piece of happiness and whether that was almost like kind of like instant gratification, right? It's the car that the new car that you buy, or it's the, I mean, for those who, who know me, I'm, I'm 35 years old and I've owned 37 cars since I was 16 years old. So there was a time in my life where I was chasing, I was chasing the next best thing and never just kind of happy with what I had. And uh, I'm grateful that I, I am now. I'm very grateful for where I'm at. But talk to me about how you let, how you work with people to overcome those types of situations. How do you work with people who are who are always chasing the next thing just to get some happiness and aren't truly happy with who they are as an individual? Yeah. So, it, and I want to tag on to something you just said because listen, I you had 37 cars. I love nice things. I love nice stuff. I love making money. I I love creating wealth in my life. I love having you know being comfortable in life. I love those things. And and I'm not I'm not like trying to discourage people from wanting high quality of life. What I'm trying to say is if you need it to feel joyful, there's something, there's a disconnect that's inside. Amen. And, and, and that gets back to, um, that gets back to what, you know, the question that you just asked is there, there are people who want things and they don't know why. And the, they want the next level. They want the next title. They want the, the next comma. They want the next zero in their bank account, but they don't know why. And if it's, 
because you're trying to prove something to yourself, because you're trying to prove something to somebody else, because you're trying to avoid poverty, because you just think you're supposed to, if it doesn't have a, a reason grounded in, I just want to experience the adventure and the journey of becoming the person capable of doing that, if it's not joyful, if it's running from something, if it's, if it's trying to trying to avoid feeling like you're broke, if it's trying to avoid feeling like a failure, if it's trying to avoid, if you're trying to avoid anything, you're not going to experience the joy that you think you're going to experience. You're never going to get there, right? If you're not enjoying right this second on the way to getting there, then when you get there, you're not going to enjoy that either, right? So it's a matter of every second in your life are equal in terms of the amount of joy that's possible. And if you're not choosing joy, if you're not experiencing joy now, you're not going to experience it later. But you think the mind creates this illusion that when I have that thing, I'll finally feel it. And and it's not true. It'll feel for a second and then it'll go away. So I get into people's minds and emotions to understand why you want what you want. I'll never discourage you from wanting, but I just want to know why. And then when we have a solid reason based and grounded in, I just want to experience becoming the person capable of creating that. Awesome. All systems go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about attitude. I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, attitude and having the right attitude really can make or break your day, your week, your month, your life. Talk to me about your philosophy on attitude and how, you know, I had a a young coach once tell me, you know, long, long time ago that, you know, 90% of your day is your attitude and the other 10% is attitude, which basically meant, you know, if if you think about that, it's like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But he basically was saying is your whole day is your attitude. Um, and you know, I'm in a sales type position, so it's very easy that, you know, to, you know, have start your day off. Great. Looking great. Get to work. Everything's great. You make that one phone call and somebody's a jerk to you on the other end hangs up and says, no, I'm not interested. Or, or you, you got a prospect that you've been working for months and all of a sudden they say, no, I'm not, I'm not going to buy your solution. You know, it can, it can really impact a day. And, and so one thing in my, you know, I struggled with very early on in sales is, is not allowing those things to really impact my day, my week, my month. Um, so he, that was, that was one of his piece of advice is, you know, you got to control your attitude. You got to figure out your attitude. I'm assuming you work with your clients, the same, similar type of a way. Heck yeah. So, um, I would say put a GR in front of attitude and, and that's the way to, to shift your, your attitude. Right. So it, we, we, Brian, let me get, let me get a little mystical for a second. We need nothing, but we deserve everything. Okay. If you think about it, what you really require in order to experience joy and love and like complete bliss in life, you need oxygen, you need some water, you need some food, maybe a, a, you know, a house, a shelter. You don't need much. And typically, if you're listening to this right now, you have everything you require to, to, to experience true joy. You need nothing else. But, but when, when you're not experiencing true joy, what's happening is you're, you're, you're serving it up and you're hoping for it later. And that is a recipe for disaster because the only thing that, that pushing joy down the road is going to do 
is when you get to where you think there's joy, you're going to kick that down the road too. All right. So there's only the, the, you're only living right now and the future is just now later. So if you're not allowing yourself to experience joy right now, why would you give yourself the, the, the permission to, to experience joy later? So when you bring back yourself back, back to gratitude and realizing that you have everything you need right now, you, you need nothing else then your attitude starts to shift that, hey, that sale would have been cool, but I don't need this sale. And, and, yeah. and, and, and here's the secret of, of success, all right? I'm gonna give you the, the, the greatest secret of success that, that I've learned is that when you don't need more success, success comes much, much easier. When you don't need more wealth, wealth comes much easier. When you don't need a partner, a partner comes a whole lot easier. Whatever you don't need the most in your life, you're going to get it pretty easily because it's only the things that you need out of desperation that are trying to get away from you. Yeah, no, it's very, very interesting philosophy. And um, yeah, I, I, I can, I could think of a million examples to tie to that, but uh, um, yeah. Unbelievable. All right. Let me, let me ask you this. Talk to me about your book. I, I know you wrote a book and so I want to hear about it. Yeah, I wrote two. The first one I released in uh, October 2018. It's called The Imposter in Charge. And, and that, was, that was really my, the, the one that was in my soul that was really trying to get out. Um, and The Imposter in Charge is a story of, of my rise you know, through the Marine Corps. Um, I briefly go into my rise in the Marine Corps and, and corporate America and the collapse and the, the things um, when I actually filed for divorce because I went on a journey of, of self-discovery and self-awareness and, 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 and you know, self-respect and self-love. And my wife didn't want to come with me, right? She just wanted our old life and she just wanted us to be miserable together like we were. And uh, I, I knew at that point I deserved so much more. So I filed for divorce and that's when she came on the journey with me. And, and the imposter in charge you know, kind of talks about all of that and, and how we've rebuilt rehabilitated our, our, our family, our marriage, our health, our wealth, our career. We don't do things that we hate. We only do things that we love because life is too short. Why would you do anything that you hate? And uh, the imposter in charge also gives you a, um, you know, a roadmap, right? Some, some things to consider in order to do the same for yourself. And I wrote a, a book called the, uh, the Prosperity Principles. And really it's, it's seven accelerators seven accelerating concepts that are going to help propel you principles that are going to help propel you into higher levels of wealth, success, and happiness and joy in your life. So um, awesome. the imposter in charge is really that one that, that gives the background story of our lives and the rehabilitation and the hitting the reset and talking about the suicide and the, the attempted suicide, right? I was a failure at that too. Yeah. So to where, if anybody listening to this episode wants to find uh, either of those books, where's the best way to get them? I mean, the, the imposter in charge is available on Amazon, but if you go to my website, live you're going to have the, you know, in the author section, it's going to give you access to both of those books and, uh, and, 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 and my podcast and, and uh, all, you know, the ways that you can work with me. Absolutely. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor enterprise bank and trust member FDIC. Enterprise Bank & Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit EnterpriseBank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Well, let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's talk about your podcast. 
Uh, talks about the podcast Lead, Love, Profit, and Play. I know you uh, started that um, not too long. It was about, a, what, about six months ago you started that? Uh, actually, it, about eight weeks ago. The eighth, Eight weeks uh, ago. Okay, the, well, I know we've talked about it in the past. Yeah, the eighth episode just popped out yesterday. Um, that'll date this thing a little bit. That'll that'll give you a timestamp. Um, lead, <laughs> lead, lead, love, profit, play is all about having it all and uh, and and not settling in your life. And it's it's kind of like that. I was just thinking about this earlier today. What is lead, love, profit, play about? It's really like like playing judo. Uh, you know, demonstrating or or exercising judo in your life and your business, using the forces of life for you and and leverage for you instead of instead of fighting life, right? We try to exert our will on life. And then we wonder why we're in a state of struggle and stress. And, and what I find, find Brian is that when we understand our talents, our gifts, the universal laws, when we understand how to roll with life and get life to help us and support us and encourage us, and we learn to trust life, it makes everything so much easier. So I would never, um, I, my wife coined a term, hustle whores and grind gurus. I will never tell you to work harder because I always think there's a smarter solution and there's another answer besides working harder. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Talk to me about, I know you work with a lot of leaders here in St. Louis and, and coaching and a lot of real estate investors and things along those lines. Talk to me about COVID. How did COVID affect not only your business last year, but how did you work with your clients to navigate the situation we had at hand? Yeah. So my business actually accelerated during COVID, right? So it, it you know, it, it, it's a, it's a it, mindset is everything. And that is what that's that's mostly what I bring to the table is just shifting perspective. And and what what really happened uh, during COVID is people were looking for answers where they had never looked before, and that was inside of them because they they were spending a lot of time with themselves, and they were they were like forced to sit within four walls, and they realized in a lot of cases that they couldn't stand themselves, <laughs> and 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 that that left them in in a, a desperate need to to connect and start to figure out from the inside out what what they were doing with their life and why they were where they were and, and what, you know, what they were going to do in the future. Um, what it did to a lot of my clients is just leave them with a business plan that was obsolete for the foreseeable future. So it was literally, and this is where, this is where I shine. I got the opportunity to go in and ask them, okay, what, we, if you can't do that anymore, what, what would light your soul on fire that you get to do for the rest of your life? Like, okay, you, 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 you don't have to do anything. Let's wipe the slate clean. Let's figure out who you want to be when you grow up and, and without sacrifice. And let's start to create that life right now, because look, frankly, you got nothing else to do. And it was, and it was awesome. It was a great opportunity and, and, and people shifted and, and, and pivoted in their life and their business and their relationship and their health. So if, if you notice during COVID, some people's lives, lives and businesses accelerated and some people's just fell off the cliff and it, it had nothing to do with COVID. It had everything to do with mindset, heart set perspective. And like, if you've ever heard during the great Dep depression, there were people with no jobs in food lines and there were people with three jobs. It, it had everything to do with, were you looking for opportunities or were you looking for where there were no opportunities? Cause whatever you looked for opportunities or no opportunities, you found it. Yeah. And, and that was a matter of mindset, just getting in and figuring out who they wanted to be for the rest of their lives. Yeah, there's no doubt COVID affected mindsets. I mean, I can I've probably said this on this podcast before, but I can remember last I don't know, it was August or September and 
I'm a, if anybody listening to this podcast knows who I am, I'm a very social interactive person. I got to be around people. Uh, I can't, I, there's, I couldn't have a job where I sat in an office all day long and punched away at a computer. There's absolutely no way I could do it. And so I remember calling my boss in August of last year and said, uh, you got to figure a way to get me, me back to work. I said, I can't, I can't keep sitting in this house by myself all day long. I'm going to, I'm going to go crazy. Um, and so, you know, that was a mindset thing. You know, I had to really, sure. even from March to August, I had to really change my mindset. It was all zoom meetings and conference calls. And, and before COVID I was doing three to five coffee networking type meetings a day. And then those went to zoom and I, I was struggling. I, I really was struggling and I had to change my mindset and I had to, I had to just really changed my attitude more than anything than, and, uh, and then work through some of those types of things. So COVID impacted a lot of people in a lot of ways. And sometimes you don't even realize how it affected you, even if it was just a, you know, mental struggle or, or you almost, almost at times I felt like, okay, I just gotta, I gotta get out of the house and just go for a drive. Um, it, it was, it was definitely a struggle for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Well, consider this, the average human being, right? Science, science has proven the average human being has between 80,000 and 120,000 thoughts per day, and most of them are not kind. Now, if, if we're in and, and they're, they're very uh, worry, fear, doubt, right, based. And so what I notice, Brian, in, in myself and in people that I work with and in all the hundreds of people that I've studied, um, thousands of people that I work with in my corporate career as well, that everyone like when you don't understand the thoughts that are going through your head, that they're not you and the worry, fear and doubt, what you try to do is you do things outside of you to try to distract you from those things. And this is why, you know, it, and this is why when you're forced to sit in your room or sit in a room in silence and stillness, you can't stand it. So that's why alcohol sales started skyrocketing. That's why people started eating everything that they, they came in contact with, right? Because they were trying to distract themselves from something they've never faced before, which was themselves yeah and 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 when they couldn't stand sitting with that person and just being with that person they started melting down right yeah. and covid had a psychological effect on a lot of people who first of all didn't like themselves and they were faced to they were forced to face that and and this is this is the same thing that went on you know in 19 or in in, in 2016 when i had to hit the reset is like okay i got fired i was i was unceremoniously rejected from from corporate after you know 16 20 years and i was like okay i've got no income i've got no marriage uh it's an abusive house abusive household the only thing i have is a bank account what what am i doing and I was forced to face all that garbage that was inside. And when you're forced to face it, you get two options. You get to distract yourself from it more, or you get to dive in and start to resolve it and dissolve it. And a lot of people didn't want to face it. Yeah, no, totally agree. Let me talk to you about leadership a little bit. Talk to me about what you think is um, something that makes a, an organization successful, uh, a leader successful, what are some of those types of things that, you know, as a company, if, if you're a leader of an organization listening to this episode, what can you do as a leader to continue to make the organization, you know, a, a good organization to, for your employees to work at good company culture uh, and, and to be able to good leader for the company? Yeah. So this was, this was probably um, the biggest epiphany I had from a business standpoint, because I, I worked in corporate and when you work in corporate, you know, the, the, the mission of the company and the values are already written on the wall. Right. And, and then you pretend that, 
it's an exercise in futility. You pretend that's who you are, but really it's just a check in a box. But my uh, longest standing client, and, and he's, he's become a really near and dear friend of mine. Um, this guy is, he's successful. He's the most successful person I know. He's also the wealthiest person that I've ever got to engage with on a regular basis. And he's the most joyful person that I've ever uh, engaged with on a regular basis. And I would even call him probably my nearest friend, my dear nearest and dearest friend. But when you walk into his business, his business looks, feels, sounds, and behaves like him. Because when he when he put his mission, his company's mission on the wall, and when he put his values on the wall, they were him. They were him to a T. Like his business is an extension of him. He's not doing something that he hates. He's doing something that lights his soul on fire at the value level that he brings to life. And he brings people in who align with those values and who share that same mission, who share yeah. a passion with that mission. So when you walk into his office, there's pure alignment and everyone is on the same page. They don't have to try to live the values. They are hired based on the values. And if you don't share those values, you're not going to be there very long because it's going to, you're going to be a sore thumb. So the greatest leadership thing that you can do for your business is to build a business that reflects your mission and your values and bring people in to support who align with that mission and those values. And then the whole business moves in the same direction. A lot of times without any pressure from the leader, the leader just gets to walk in the same direction and everybody comes with them yeah no i mean couldn't i could literally not agree with you more it well it helps to find the culture it's got you got then you got the right people on the bus then as a leader all you sure. gotta do is figure make sure that people are in the right seats um and and then those people if they're aligned with you and the mission and, and the goal of the organization it's not even really work for them anymore right, right. They're, they're coming in to do what they want to do and what they love to do and and they're passionate about kind of where the where the organization's heading and and the values of the organization i mean um everything you just said there is spot on and that that truly can make a, an organization uh, a major difference in in the direction the organization goes, the growth of the organization, the profit of the organization. A lot of companies don't realize. Um, I talk to companies all day. Obviously, I deal in the HR space. That your people are not only your biggest asset, but they're your bigger biggest liability. If you don't Heck have the yeah. right people on the team, and you don't have them in the right seats, and you they they don't want to be there, and there's bad company culture, they can they can tear a company down. Um, and that's why I'm a firm believer that you have to invest in your people. If you don't invest in the, your people that work for you and you don't support them and you don't um, utilize HR strategies to make them happy and keep company culture and, and lead and leadership, um, you're, you're destined for failure in, as an organization. I don't care how good of a product you have, how good a solution you have. It doesn't matter. Well, worry, fear, and doubt, right? The, the, the average human being, 80,000 to 120,000 thoughts per day. Most of them worry, fear, and doubt. So th that, that goes for people looking for jobs and people running businesses. So if you're leading out of desperation, if you're hiring out of desperation, just get me some somebody in that seat, it's going to show up. If you're just accepting a job based on desperation, it's going to show up. So when there's not passion, in getting to do what you do, if you're not hiring, if you're a business owner or a business leader and you're not hiring because somebody's passionate about it, you're doing yourself and them a great disservice. If you're, if you're trying to find a job and you're just doing it to pay the bills and you're not, you're not 
signing up for something that you're passionate about, you're doing yourself and the business a great disservice. And desperation will get you in trouble because it creates an apathetic organization, right? Where, where the approach to not hitting goals is just shrugging your shoulders and say, we'll get them next time. I mean, yeah. you know, when you're passionate about it, you don't have to force. And this is what I talk about, about judo, Brian, right? Using, using life to aid you and support you in accomplishing your goals, not fighting, not, not willing your way to victory, but you utilizing every asset that you have and that we have as human beings to, to propel us instead of making us like fight and force our way to where we want to get to. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mike, this has been an awesome podcast episode. I hope everyone's enjoyed this, but I always end my episodes by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. So if you could leave us a piece of advice today, whether that's on business, life, your journey, what would it be? Guys, the, the, coolest, the coolest thing is it, in the end, think about this. In the end, the, the last chapter is written dot, 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 and then you die. Okay. <laughs> dot, 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 and then you die. The, You've got 85, 80 or 85, 90 years to live. Why would you sacrifice in any aspect of life? You have nothing to lose. In the end, dot, 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 and then you die. And, and some people say, well, my wife and kids, well, dot, 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 they're going to die too. And the greatest thing you can do for your family is to be a leader and do things, only things that light your soul on fire and show them what living soul out really looks like and really means. But feeling like you have to sacrifice to survive is, is your mind playing tricks on you because in the end, dot, 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 and then you die. You're not going to survive. It, it is going to come. This physical existence is going to come to an end. So when you're looking for, when you prioritize safety, security, and certainty, you're not going to find the fullest expression of yourself, of life, and you're truly not going to live soul out, and you're doing everybody in your life a great disservice. Live soul out, live for the experience, not for security and safety and certainty. There's no fun there. Well, thank you, Mike. On behalf of myself um, and the STLers podcast, I appreciate you coming on today sharing all the wisdom that you have telling us your story um the way you came out of the of uh, the journey that you were on and, and have rebuilt you and your organization and uh, i just thank you for being a great stl leader well thanks brian i appreciate it and again you know thanks for thanks for having me on and and this is my favorite thing to do in the world is is i lived 43 miserable years and if i can help somebody live one one minute soul out and understand the full joy that life has. It's always worth it. Just only every time.